all it was about, especially after leaving foundry businesses and things like that. So it was a <laughs> whole different ball game. Sure. Uh, so if I was going to stay in banking, I figured I might as well learn how to lend some money if you're going to go anywhere. And at the time, most banks had very long, uh, formal corporate training programs, which I put myself into. And a year and a half later, I came out as a lender. And having been exposed to a couple of different markets, like the national lending market, uh, we did a lot of leasing, worked in the commercial paper side, um, also healthcare and media specialties. So I had a chance to see a lot of different businesses and a lot of different lending activities uh, in that marketplace. It came out as a, as a lender, worked in the Cleveland marketplace for most size industries that here that were out here, including the small business side. At those In those days, you had a pretty wide swath in terms of what you would do. Became a lending manager over the years, and I really enjoyed working with the small business owners. I did a few other things in banking, but I found myself always coming back to the small business side because I always felt I can have the most impact working directly with those small business owners. Uh, so uh, after 35 years uh, of doing that, I think I did everything that I could do in banking and decided to hang up uh, my lending shoes and uh, was aware of the 10,000 Small Businesses Program. One of my lenders was actually a panelist in a couple of the programs and had mentioned it to me as something I should check out. Fortunately, I was lucky enough to uh, apply at a time when they had a, a business advisor opening. So I guess I'm a recovering banker and, and happy to be back and helping small business owners. Yeah. A good place to be, that's for sure. Excellent. It's good. It's good. It's a good background to help you know give our audience a, just a sense. You know, both of you have seen a number of companies over your, your careers before getting to Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. right? So you've kind of seen it, seen um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, sure, from the banking standpoint, um, <laughs> some folks. There's always stories that, that that you have in business that, that you can't make up. And I'm sure you've got you've got you got some <laughs> of those stories. We want to talk about those tonight. Um, but to see kind of some of the commonalities amongst amongst folks. So whether it be you know uh, on the HR side or training side, as far as what's kind of going on, how people react and do certain things, mm-hmm. in terms of how people look. At their numbers of the financials or what kind of financials they actually present to you and trying to make sense of what uh, what those numbers are so you both had uh, certainly had an appreciation for the the variety of business that, that were out there and then when the opportunity for goldman uh, came up you both were, were very excited about it so um so mark when, when you joined about what was it, about five years ago five years ago now okay. yeah, a little over five so by way of background for our audience, so the, the, the Goldman Sachs program is in how many cities right now? Is it 14, 15 cities that they 14, have? 14, Okay, yeah. where they have classes like we have here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then there are another, there are another like 10 or 15 cities that they have. You know, they don't have the trainings going, but they have other like spots. Or, the, we have a blended learning program that's, okay. uh, you know, uh, by computer, computer-based. And okay. then they come together as a group. Okay. So. All right. So, and Cleveland was like number six or seven out of the out of the cities, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. and they've they we're just starting this week, next week. You guys are starting the. I actually, have the schedule here. The twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. So cohort. Cohort's a fancy word, Jack. Cohort. It is a very <laughs> fancy word. We, Co- cohort we, number. We manage it uh, under normal circumstances, <laughs> but not tonight. So cohort, <laughs> cohort number nineteen is, is is kicking off this month, and so you came in, in cohort four or five. Came in cohort four, yeah. Or four, okay. Yeah. So he, so you've seen all but three of them. Mm-hmm. Steve, you came in a little later. Was it thirteen? You 13, said I think. That's okay. right. Mm-hmm. So you're now you're you know you're, you're a veteran now after a couple you know two and a half years of doing this, right? You know you've been able to see enough. Uh, part of what we'll do is uh, part of our show notes tonight. We'll, we'll 
include um, a link to the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program site if you want to learn more about it or if you want to uh, perhaps apply. Uh, if you're here in Cleveland, it wouldn't be applying, obviously, for this uh, this cohort. There'll be another cohort happening in the summertime. We, yeah, we're filling summer right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can we call it Cohort 2.0 because it's 20 or no? What do you think? It's some creative <laughs> naming there. Um, and for those of you who are listening on, on the podcast, not in the Cleveland area, you can check out on that site, too. You'll see what other areas that it's in. If it's somewhere near you, you can apply for, the, for those as well. Uh, part of what we'll include, too, is there's a it'll be a PDF file in there that kind of gives a little background in terms of what the different modules are. The modules are the, are the different courses, which we'll talk about a little bit here as, as we get into it. But that all be. What, what does the ten thousand businesses mean? What is that? Uh, what is that referencing? Well, the idea from Goldman Sachs Foundation was to work with ten thousand small businesses, literally, uh, and try and put together a program to help them. Uh, develop the capabilities to grow revenues and employment. And that's really the mission of the original grant. Uh, A good hunk of the money goes towards education, which is what we're involved in. But there's also uh, a fair amount of of money. I think it was a $500 million grant originally, Mm -hmm. $200 million for the education piece, and $300 million is actually for um, lending to uh, through development corporations um, around the country. In Cleveland, it's Growth Capital, for instance. And they would take uh, uh, swatches of the money and lend it out to small businesses in the marketplace. Uh, If I recall, this was part of their response to the 08 financial downturn? Is that when this kind of started to happen where they they, they, they want to make no. an impact or is that... No, not really. Um, it? It's just they have a, like a foundation right. and they're dedicated, dedicated to helping build the inner city up. So they're looking at basically cities to put the program in that are, you know, on their way up okay. as opposed to, you know... The other direction. Okay. The other direction. So coming back to the idea of trying to teach people to fish versus giving Correct. them to fish, right? So we're trying to exactly. teach these folks. And the, the, the reason I got onto our radars, uh, you, know, you know, Jack and I work with companies that, that, that already exist for the most part, and we were always frustrated over the years that the the billions of dollars going to startups, and startups are very difficult, but everybody gets excited about startups because the possibilities are endless. And you got 25 million, give or take, companies here in the United States that already exist with employees and customers and all that kind of stuff. And we're thinking, hey, these folks need some help too, and, and there's not much help for these folks. And so when we, we saw the Goldman program come out, I said, hey, this is good. And we, we looked at the, mm-hmm. the at the, the modules, what was, what was being taught. It's a basic blocking and tackling of business that I think many folks who haven't been involved with small business assume that this is just how p- people know all this stuff ready. Mm-hmm. If you've been running your company for, for 14 years, you got it all figured out by now. And <laughs> and you have that, uh, you know, the, in, internally they're crying saying, I, I don't know this stuff, but I'm going to smile and nod. And, I'm not telling you that I don't know this stuff. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, as we get into the, the, the show tonight, kind of talk about the, the program a little bit. Part of what's, what's neat about the Goldman program is we've gotten to learn more about it from our clients. We're also talking, uh, talking to you guys, Mark and Steve here, is that it's not what you might be visualizing. If, you know, if you're like many of our clients, school wasn't necessarily your favorite thing. And so if you're envisioning whatever it was for whatever teacher you didn't like and how awful it was and painful it was, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay? This is, uh, it's not like you've got days after days of lectures and people droning on. It's a lot of peer-to-peer stuff, which we'll, which we'll kind of get into here. So it's a little bit, a little bit different from that standpoint. So uh, part of what we wanted, we wanted to kind of cover, let's kind of give them a little sense. We have, um, it's a 12-week or 13-week program? 13-week program. Okay. Yeah. So what do, what do people have to do? You know, is it, you know, anybody wants to kind of show up, anybody can fog a mirror, just shows up and, they, and you take no. them in? How? I, heard, I heard it's very expensive. It, it, is, <laughs> it is absolutely free. <laughs> it's a scholarship. Free, free is an un, un, it's a scholarship unusual word today. That's scholarship a good from Goldman Sachs. Um, and it's... It, 
it's not that easy to get into actually uh what we first do is we we recruit people in and have them fill out an application it's a very simple quick application uh if they pass muster basically we then ask them for other things that for that support their business so their their taxes uh, balance sheet income statement proof of ownership things of that nature and at the same time those people are also then scheduled for an interview a competitive interview so we originally start out with about 90 people, end up with about 40-some, 50-some people that we put through an interview process. And out of that, we'll choose about 30, 30 to 38 people okay. in the program. So it's, it's a competitive uh, process. And, uh, yeah, it's just not going in and smiling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's your request? Like you say, it's always good to have a perspective. You say it's an, it's an easy, simple application, right? And you roll off a few documents of people. Everybody's got these documents, mm-hmm. no problem. Right? Right, at their, right at their fingertips, right? Let me get my financial statements and my tax returns and my, my, my articles of incorporation, whatever it might be. These are all the things that we, we all assume, if, if you haven't been involved with small companies, that everybody has this stuff ready to go at, you know, at their fingertips. And <laughs> Some more than others. Right. Yeah. Well, so, right? my guess is that you know some of those simple questions probably scare people away in and of itself, where they you know they aren't sure where to you know kind of get this stuff. So it becomes a pretty selective process. So and that's important, especially if you're talking about the whole idea of peer-to-peer stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm an owner, I'm looking to get into get into a class amongst my peers. Most as you mentioned, I'm uh, having thoughts of jury duty going through my mind here, right? In terms of <laughs> a jury of your peers, right? Um, but to have folks in that room that, that that you feel pretty good about, because I know one of the the the, the, the Maybe one of the, the challenges people are thinking about it, you know, hey, if I own a bagel store, well, am I going to have, you know, three other bagel store people in there that I can talk to that, that, that understand what, you know, what I'm all about versus somebody who, who's running a foundry business, like, like you mentioned, Steve? You know, mm-hmm. what am I from a guy who runs a foundry business? You know, what's he know about bagels? Well, it's a great point, Adam, and one of the things that I love about the program is that it really focuses, without getting into too much detail right now, on the core competencies of any business. You know, all businesses have the same issues, be it people, finances, understanding how money moves through it, how do you market yourself, how do you build processes, uh, how do you make sure you're providing solutions to clients out there. These are the same issues for all business owners, and when we first sit people around a table, they're asking the very same question, Adam, that you just said, and that is, what do I have in common with these folks? And we start talking about issues and concerns and bring up some of these points, and you can quickly see everybody gelling around the fact that, and it's really... Uh, fun to watch their faces and see how they open up and the comfort level that comes across when they all realize they're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Well, we're up against our first break here. When we come back, we want to talk about a little bit. Let's paint a little picture for our, for our audience here in terms of what a, maybe what a day in the life looks like for, for a Goldman Sachs person who's going through, go, going through one of these cohorts. So when we come back, we'll be talking more about that. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we are... We're here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We've got more Dirty Secrets coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Glad you're here with us. I'm your co-host, Adam Sonhalter. And I am Jack Mancini, the other co-host. And we have two guests here tonight, and we're exploring 
Everything holy about Goldman Sachs. <laughs> Everything holy. <laughs> yes, we're, we're, we're digging deeply into the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, and we're joined by a couple of the business advisors here, Mark Pinto and Steve Sinisgali. In our first segment here, we kind of gave a little background on them, so you had a little sense of where they're coming from. Uh, we're trying to, uh, I don't want to say de-spook people, but as we're thinking about classes or school, uh, this is a, we're going to talk more about this segment in terms of painting a picture. So as we go through what happens, we, have, we just described a 13-week course, and and so what's it going to look like? So, we, you know, if I'm coming in day one, I'm, I'm looking here. My, my first module, module one is you and your business is what it's called, right? So that's like me getting to know my business a little bit. But I'm coming in first day, and like anything new, there's going to be some angst and some excitement and, you know, but maybe some, some doubts about it, right? Because then you said, you know, we said in the, in the first segment, this is quote-unquote free because uh, folks aren't writing a check for it. Goldman's writing the check mm-hmm. for it That's instead. Right. Yeah. But people have to commit time, okay? And, and, and the way it's structured is it's basically a full day a week for 13 weeks and some other stuff in between, too. But there's also work to be done in between. Mm-hmm. So they're dedicating a lot of time and effort. So... I guess you probably even once they go they go through all the the, the interview process they they accept it they may saw some skeptics kind of coming in and I know folks listening might be skeptical too so why don't you paint a picture maybe whether it be the first day or just you know, what's a typical day look like coming in was it eight eight thirty in the morning people start you know mm-hmm. what's a day going to look like as I come into my right we usually start the morning off around eight o'clock we intentionally have a breakfast with uh, round tables so people can start to socialize and network with one another start about 8 30 uh, and then throughout the rest of the day it's a little bit of lecture and a lot of work peer-to-peer so whoever the faculty member is for that particular module will present information um, and then would have people go off and share that information with one another and see where they have commonality where there's differences where they may have some gaps in their thinking and this all kind of vets itself out when they're in in this peer-to-peer environment so okay uh, I, f- I forgot to ask you you mentioned like the the, the curriculum and people are, are, are giving lectures discussions I forgot to mention you know where does that come from is this from goldman themselves or how, how did this curriculum get set up the curriculum was actually developed by Babson College, uh, which was hired by Goldman, and they've done a lot of similar type curriculum for other organizations and and other uh, programs for small businesses. Uh, they're one of the uh, they've been the number one rated entrepreneurial school in the country for decades, actually, and they put together a tremendous program uh, for us as far as the ten thousand small businesses uh, curriculum is involved. So they've they've got a lot of experience with it, and their their professors and and academics have vast years of experience uh, at all levels in the business world so they bring a lot to the table when they put the curriculum together okay so do they, so do they lecture themselves or do you no we have local local people who have come from business so they have a good worldly sense of of, of what they're talking about and they can use pertinent examples when they're giving information out mm-hmm. so they basically provide a framework so I've got that structure in terms of what's kind of going to happen. Obviously, depending who's leading the discussion, that's one thing. But the, the peer-to-peer thing, you know, so whether I, if I'm in cohort, if I was in cohort 18 that just finished versus cohort 19, it's going to be a little different because of the people in that room. Or if I'm in sure. Cleveland versus Salt Lake City versus New York versus Detroit, again, depending on who's there, because the, 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 the peer is a big part of that stuff. But so there, there's a, a, but a consistent framework 
um, almost like if you guys are familiar with something like like BNI, have you heard of BNI? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, BNI is you know, there's thousands of chapters worldwide, and they all follow a similar model. But each group's a little different because the people in the in, in, in the in the room are a little different. But you know the basic structure and format. That's that's an important point, Adam. Okay. And and it's it you know Goldman and and Babson work with us quite a bit to make sure we stay on course with that because it is easy to drift uh, when you're talking on, in certain topics, uh, actually any topic. Uh, but it's important, and they've structured it in a way that really helps us keep it on on point. And we cover a lot of material every day. It, it, it's not an academic exercise by any way, shape, or form. But uh, there, there's a lot of exercises that we do, some individually, some with two, some with an entire table, some with half the class. Okay. So we mix it up, uh, and the day goes by as a result very quickly. Right. So, it's, so be prepared to, to do some work. You're not coming just to kind of sit back and you know, drink coffee and soda and chat. So I'm a shy guy. You may, you may can't tell you know, being on the, on the air, but I'm naturally more of a shy guy. So if I walk in a room full of strangers, I'm not I, I'm not likely to, to sit at a table with people. I'm likely to go and sit by myself at a thing. So how do you get me into that group? You know, do, do I get assigned to a group, or how does that? You know, you, you mentioned the peer to peer stuff because a guy might be left in the corner by myself if 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 you, yeah. if you don't do something to me. We put well, less no, chairs no, out no, in the no, morning. No. <laughs> okay, we have Sorry. no chance. There's Those no people chance. sitting alone. Are, are removed from <laughs> <laughs> we that's take a, them out in the hall that's the final thing okay all right <laughs> <laughs> well the the pro uh, the class is broken up into after they have breakfast and, and they get to know one another it's broken up into what we call growth groups so it's anywhere between four to six people per, per table and they stay that way throughout the whole program so they kind of have a home base where they get to know these people really well okay and then they start moving out after that okay is there a science to that of some sort or is randomly just selected or no there's a science to it okay. we try to make sure certain All industries right. are in certain places and you know i'm having flashbacks to get my roommate assigned in college and they had, hey we have this <laughs> we have this special thing we can't tell you about behind the black box here but give us this information and we'll figure out and well, my roommate was my best man at my wedding, so they did a good job. There I didn't you know I'm walking in, yep. so if you do things well, it can work out well. We really try to mix it up, Adam, to that point, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very important point because, like the curriculum, we talked about the fact that it doesn't matter what business you're in, you're going to have the same issues. We really try to bring different perspectives to each table. So we try to mix the industries up. Sometimes we mix the sizes of the businesses up as be- as best we can. Right. You know, with the with the uh, uh, with the entire cohort, you do the best you can with it. But the key is to really try and have each table well represented with different points of view, because that peer to peer learning really brings in different perspectives that way from each person at the table. Okay, so I'm there eight o'clock in the morning, and you're expecting me to be there at one five six o'clock. I mean, it's a full eight ten hour day. That's correct. Okay, yeah. and after that first day. I, I got to believe you may have a few people that say time out. This is not for me, but almost everybody else probably says, okay, I, I get it now. Is that, is, do, you, do you see that happening during the course of that first day where almost those, those light bulbs? Is there homework? Yeah. Uh, between classes, we have what's called pre-work, not homework. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> It's all marketing, Jack. Pre-work. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Not what you do, it's how you say it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's things that they need to go back and do. The, the end goal of this whole program is to develop a growth plan. Okay. And so the modules correspond with areas within the growth plan that they go back and work on from what they learned from class and what they draw from their own experience. Okay. So getting that growth plan down to your point, as you're screening folks coming in, 
one of the keys for you is looking for folks who are looking to grow. You mentioned, Steve, that you know, part of the, the idea of the grant was to make sure we're increasing revenue and we're increasing employment. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess if somebody comes in and says, oh, I'm not really interested in growing, my guess is... So tips for you out there looking to apply. Make sure you, you say you're looking to grow <laughs> or else you're not going to be – you, you got no shot if you're looking to grow. And if you're not looking to grow, most people uh, – you, know, you wouldn't come in anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, right, that's right. That's right. Looking to get better. All right, so – Are the growth plans presented and voted on? Are, is there anything like that? Or They, they are presented the last day, uh, but they're not voted on. So everybody's mm-hmm. unique, so we don't really have a way of judging – who would be better than somebody else. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting to watch the dynamic from day one <clears throat> as we started talking to the final session when you're presenting because by that time, everybody has had the chance to work with everybody else in the cohort, and they all know each other's businesses very well. And we give everybody the opportunity to provide feedback after every one of the presentations. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's very meaningful feedback because, again, they really understand each sure. other's businesses very, very well which presents one of the other side benefits, and that is that 80 to 85% of the members in each cohort end up doing business with each other mm-hmm. by the end of the cohort. Really? It's, that's high. That's, it's that's that high, and it's very consistent. Yeah. So they build tremendous trust during that, during that three-month period for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Well, that's a big deal because yeah, that's, that's one of those side benefits. If they probably didn't think about when they were designing the course, it wasn't, you know, but it just, it's been a natural flow. Uh, you got folks in the room that are similar mindsets. are trying to help each other, and they've opened up. Probably, I, I guess, if you talk to some of the, the grads, they've probably opened up more to their their, their what's the, what's the group called again? The, the, the growth group. The growth yeah. group. Growth group. They, they mm-hmm. probably said things to that growth group they haven't said to anybody else. It's very ever, possible. Right? Yeah. Right. It's and, more likely than possible yeah. because uh, most business owners have no one else to talk about their business to in depth and detail like that. That's right. And this is the first opportunity they have to do that, and they real usually they're the only person in the room. Now they're in a room with everybody else just like them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity to share that is really a, a, a great dynamic to watch. You right. screen for sizes, uh, sales, revenue, uh, so you don't want somebody with $20 million in revenue uh, with a group of $2 million. And how would you, how would you sort of uh, rate the average, the average revenue size? And is that, that's pretty important, I'm going to guess. Well, the, the, the program has certain boundaries or qualifications. You need to be uh, generally over $150,000 in the previous year, and usually no more than $4 million, though, with some industries will go a little higher. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. We probably average a $1 million or so in revenues per okay, class. Okay, that's and good that's, size. That's, yeah. yeah. There's about $25 million of those size companies in the country. There's plenty of them, and there's, mm-hmm. it's a great mix, even from 125000 up to $4 million. and the dynamics are very different for each. So, again, the possibilities and points of view that get shared are, are really varied. Oh, that's good. Well, we're up against our second break here. Uh, you know, when we come back, i got some questions I want to talk about. I know you guys mentioned people doing lectures, but you guys are business advisors, so I'm curious what that means. We'll talk, talk a little bit about what your role is when we come back here. So stay tuned for more of that. Dirty Secrets coming up. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and uh, we're just rounding the bend here. You got it. we got more Dirty Secrets coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, all right. Welcome back here to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And, you know, at the break, I just heard the word free. And somebody's going to have to explain that to me. But uh, 
We can get to it multiple times with our half hour left. But what is free? Free in what context? Eric? Well, free in the context of money and the cost involved to participate in the program. That's part of the grant from Goldman Sachs. So if you are accepted into the program, uh, your time and effort and the materials that you will use and go through and take away are part of uh, what we consider a scholarship for someone to go through the program that's granted by Goldman Sachs. The cost is time, and that's more important than money for most people. And yes, we want to make is. sure that that's time right. is being used efficient, efficiently, effectively, and in a compelling way to make a difference for people. So it's not actual dollars that I'm counting out here. I'm getting a, uh, a first-rate uh, organization in Babson College. Mm -hmm. I'm getting peer group discussions, which tend to clarify because the words and the phrases that are used when you're exchanging ideas uh, become a little, let's say, more relevant, if that's the right word to put to you. No, I think it's very, it's very accurate. But that looks like quite a package. And if you aren't counting out dollars, I agree, time's a big thing. But if you're displacing time with, with uh, uh, good ideas, discipline, uh, procedures, processes, Networking, that's pretty good value. Uh, in fact, I would say it's excellent value. I think one of the indicators to that point is that we have a 99% graduation rate. So once you start the program, 99% of the folks that go, that start it, finish it. Okay. And if you don't have any skin in the game in terms of dollars and cents, you obviously need to see the value to keep coming. Mm hmm. Either that or you chain them to the desk, right? That's right. <laughs> that doesn't work. Well, we're heading to break. I wanted to, I wanted to get some clarity before I forgot, Jack, on the, the, the roles. You mentioned you know, folks will, will, will teach the course to kind of start, but you're, you're called business advisors. So are you guys doing that, or do you guys do something different? Again, I'm, try, I'm trying to still paint the picture of what happens during this. So, so how do you guys play into the the day-to-day the -day of this in terms of a, a student or a, a scholar? I'm sorry, you call them scholars. Oh, yeah. Scholars, yeah. Basically, what we're doing is we're kind of coaching them through the process. Okay. So we'll spend time with them, go out to see, go out to their place, see what they're doing, uh, get to know their business as well as we can, help to identify gaps that they may have or uh, areas that they want to improve in, or those things that they don't even know that they don't know. So. So you're not just seeing them during class. No. You're going out into the real world and seeing them in their environment. Roughly other, every other week, we'll visit either at their location or we'll talk to them on the phone or we'll see them before or after class but we're, we, we have set schedules when we begin the program that we'll be meeting with them at least every other week to track progress and as Mark mentioned to help them connect the dots between the curriculum their business and where they want to be going with it all. Okay, that's part of the one-to-one. -one. I, I, I got to believe we use this word peer a lot, so there's, there's probably a lot of peer pressure. I have a 15-year-old, and I talked to him about there's positive and negative peer pressure. <laughs> peer pressure gets a, gets a bad name, right, because it, you know, it's often put with negative stuff, but there can be good peer pressure, too. So I got to believe if you know, I'm coming in with my gr growth group of five people, and you know if I show up one week and I don't have anything to present, well... That might go off okay one week, but I'm going to be, you know, uh, you know, forget me coming next week. I, I, I'm not happening next week. I'm going to make sure I have my homework done. Everybody else did their stuff. They do, they're doing great. I'm going to make sure I kind of keep up. I, I, so I, I got to that's part of it, too. Um, with them networking, too. So in addition to talking to you guys in between, they probably do talk to each other. I got to believe mm -hmm. in between, too. Absolutely. That's part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. What the heck are they talking about here? What, you know, what's kind of, I got to believe, especially early on. They may be afraid to ask some questions. I mean, you know, we see this with, with our clients where it'll, it'll be months, and all of a sudden they'll finally drop whatever bomb that they had that they think it's like the, 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 the dirtiest, darkest secret, right? And Jack and I kind of smile and struggle like, Everyone's that's it? Doing that. That's all you got, right? It's like, okay. Um, or or here's, here's a way to do it. Here, here, here's an answer for it, right? So 
you helped to kind of guide them along. So, you, so you're involved during the class, but then also in between. So you're pretty full-time with whatever that class is going to be. What happens after they, you know, when they get done? Are you still attached to them at that point, or you have to go back to the, whoever the next cohort's going to be? I got to believe, right? You kind of move on to that. We have to move on to the next one, but we do stay in touch. Right. So a lot of times, uh, especially I know Steve with his financial background, a lot of times people call back and present a kind of a deep, dark, little dirty secret uh, <laughs> about their finances and ask for some guidance. I bet you're popular. I think I, I, think I told you when we, when we talked before, uh, Steve, that most business owners are afraid to talk to their bankers. They're afraid of saying the wrong things, right? So those, sure. your point, Mark, the secrets they may ask, hey, what, what shouldn't I say to my banker? Or how do I, how do I tell them this without them getting all, all upset? Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up, too, because that is also part of the curriculum. Uh, there's a couple of sessions where we bring bankers in to work with the scholars. And a couple of elements that are very surprising to many of the scholars is, one, to help them realize that every bank's pretty different. They, the common right. thought is they're all the same, and it's just different personalities that you're talking to. Uh, but banks do vary, vary dramatically in terms of how they want to lend money, who they lend it to, what kind of ratios are important to them. Uh, so they all have different tracks, and that's that's a bit of an eye-opener uh, to, to most of our scholars. And then towards the end of the program, we actually have them make a presentation to three bankers, hmm. uh, and they oh, get feedback directly from the bankers. Real-world real world experience. There's yeah. no substitute for that. So right, even if they don't have an immediate need for financing, we have them put together a financing presentation and then get that feedback because there will be a time sooner or later where you may need that. So we want to make sure they have the experience. Absolutely, and, and you know, from our standpoint, we've we've mentioned this for a lot in tonight's show in terms of presenting. Right, that's a big thing. It's one of the things we teach a lot of our clients in terms of how to present because often they don't have to. Even if they do go for a loan, often they just say, oh, "I'm filling out paperwork, or I'm sending certain stuff for my CPA to fill out, or my attorney to fill out, or whatever." You know, and I'm hoping that I do it right, and I I cross my fingers. Versus going in and be able to tell your story exactly and tell it with confidence and um, to do it in a relatively safe environment like that. Um, is very, very helpful, I gotta believe. We, we want to help them understand that, for instance, when you talk about a banker, to answer your question earlier, uh, we want to help them understand that the numbers and the financials and the story of your business need to sync up right. and where, where it wants to go and what's the ability for you to repay the loan and how you're going to do that. Those are the real key things that bankers want to hear and understand. And helping them be able to talk about that fluidly and, and, and comfortably is really a big part of that. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things that I've gotten out of being in this program and listening to people is that bankers really want to lend money. You know, it's it's not an issue of, uh, you know, they, they want to know your story so they can present you properly right. and be able to hopefully get you get you that loan. Yeah, most people wait until they have a big problem to go to the banker, right? And we talk about the idea, hey, the best time to go ask for money is when you don't need it, right? You don't need the money and all that kind of stuff. But if you aren't, if the first time you're talking to your banker is, you know, a week before you need some money, and they, well, they aren't miracle workers, and if they don't know your story, because again, they, your point, Mark, they're, they're the internal advocate for you, mm-hmm. so they have to be able to tell you because the the, the mm-hmm. loan committee doesn't want to talk to you, right? They, you know, that's uh, one of the, d- the deep secrets too in terms of who's hiding behind there. But um, they have to be your advocate to be able to t- 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 to tell your story, know what they want to do, to answer the questions before they even ask them. A lot of times, you know, is a big part of that. And if you do that, it's amazing how you can stand out pretty quickly. So, um, you know, it's funny. We, uh, this is often the case with clients. We have, we have a new client we just started with this week, and 
one of the things we asked about was their, their, their line of credit. And the company is about a million and a half in sales. And they have a line of credit like 50000 bucks. I said, are you kidding me? I said, how is that going to... I said, and they, they've grown. You know, they, they, they've tripled the company in, in the last six or seven years. I said, mm-hmm. okay, maybe that was okay when you're at half a million. I go, but you guys need more. Well, do you think we can get more? I said, let's go find out. You have a good story. We're looking at their... I said, you guys have a good story to tell. Why don't we go talk? And they have a couple of banks that they're, they're, they're doing something. I said, let's go talk to them and see. But you have to, you have to go ask and, and know, again, is, is it okay to ask? Absolutely. Your point is they're in the right. business to, to lend money. Right. It may seem like they aren't sometimes, but they are. You know, that, that's what they're, what, what they're there to be able to do and uh, help those, out. Those questions sound so just, you know, so silly. I mean, when you, when you hear yourself, you know, why shouldn't I be going to you and saying, okay, what's it going to take, Steve? That's what do right. I have to do? Here's what I have now. Here's what I understand. What do I have to pull together? It's to really about you. building that relationship with the banker. And, and they can tell you in advance, here's the kinds of things that we're looking for. Have you thought about these things? Here's how I would like you to see you present it. Because you're right, Adam, they, they really do want to make sure they're, they have the opportunity to lend money back into the community. That's how banks make money. They're not going to make money if it's just sitting in the bank. Right. Um, and so, you know, the lenders need to make sure that the opportunity is there and also that the that the business owner understands what they need to be doing uh, to manage their cash flow so that they can repay those loans. And a lot of that is advising as, right. as much as just being a pure lender. It, part of half of it is, is yeah. advising. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned something during the breaks, Steve, I want to bring up. We talked about the, the, the growth plan being the ultimate thing. That's what the, everything's kind of geared towards. But you said, well, yes and no. I mean, yeah, that's what kind of comes out after 13 weeks. But there's a bigger thing that, that comes out of that. Yeah, um, and thanks for bringing that up. The, the growth plan is really a process, and, and the idea of understanding how to make a more educated decision about your business. If you have an idea, understanding what the implications are going to be on the people side, uh, on the customer side. Do I have the right processes? Does this really fit with our culture? All of those things are the questions that you're asking yourself as you develop a growth plan. So when you have an idea and you run the process, run it through the process of the growth plan, you can take your next idea and put it through the very same process and very rarely does someone have just one idea Uh, and times change and you may go through an entire process and we've had folks go through the program with a growth opportunity and decide at the end that this is not what I want to be doing but they have the process in hand to take the next idea and run it through so it's a very repeatable process that's a good point. I mean, it's rare that you run into people who own companies that lack ideas, right? And it's exactly. a matter of, you know, execution. <laughs> which, yeah. which idea is here and how do I get the energy behind it? And how do I know if it's a good decision or not? And how do I prioritize what's kind of going on? And so that framework you're talking about, basically, which is, hey, this is how you, exactly how you can look at it and, and do it. And uh, what's nice about it, too, the fact that I've done it with the group. I have people that be tapping into you guys or the people that, that, that were in my cohort, too. I've got, I got people that understand and speak that language, right? So I, when I talked about, hey, let's go through Module 3 again. Okay, well, they know what I'm talking about you know, versus what, what does that mean, right? So that's, you know, I think that's probably very, very helpful for them to be able to kind of go through. And I think you mentioned in the last segment, too, like your average is about a million dollars in sales. And we've seen that over the years where that's usually where people tend to get stuck, right about that million-dollar number. It could be plus or minus you know, 10 20%. But usually you see, especially if you have like one owner, the one owner can usually take the company to about a million bucks in sales on their own, you know, skills and ability and, and energy and everything else. But you get to that point, then all of a sudden there's a lot more variables that kind of go. So to, to, to go from one to two million, or, you know, that's a much tougher jump. And often we see folks where they just, they get stuck there for years or, or decades, just kind of, you know, bumping along. 
So you know, if you're listening, that's kind of where you are. You feel like you've been kind of bumping along for a bit. This might be a program that you want to investigate and check out a little bit because this can give a nice spark, a nice way to kind of uh, have a nice framework to do it. It's priced right. Again, you guys estimate, yeah, you said this is worth price. It's worth by between seventeen and 20000 Mark, you, you mentioned that somebody talked about it or made an example or uh, an analogy of an MBA. You know, what was that? Right, that uh, in an MBA program, you study case studies of other companies, but in our program, you study your own your own company. Right. That, that makes all the difference. You know, one, of the, one, sure of, one of the things we have all of our clients do in our first meeting is have them present their financials to us. Mm. Now, this, this creates all kinds of angst and confusion and questions about, you know, well, what do you mean present it, right? Well, because they, they've, they've never had to present before, so this is the first time they're kind of going through it, so they aren't, they aren't quite sure what to do. But the power of that is, I suppose I go into a class and take an accounting course where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at XYZ Widget Company, right? These are your numbers. These aren't some random, this is your stuff. All of a sudden, they pay attention, and it's amazing how they start to have fun and really enjoy business in a way that maybe they hadn't before. Because a lot of the, a lot of the questions I think they've had, they, they didn't know how to maybe articulate it, but maybe somebody in their group had the same problem. They, they, all of a sudden, I got a lot of those light bulbs. I got to believe during the course of the day, as you guys are describing, I, I can picture light bulbs going off or high fives, or I'm almost picturing at the casino, somebody's doing well on the craps table. It's, oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden, there's a certain <laughs> part of the room that, that gets excited. All right, we're up against our last break, and we'll come back. We got. I want to do the. When we come back. I want to share some stories. You guys have some alumni stories. We'll. we'll, we'll Good alumni we'll, stories. Yeah, we'll protect That's the right. innocent or guilty. We won't give them their names, but some stories to kind of share about. We'll talk a little bit more to about what happens after you graduate. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter. and I'm Jack Mancini. And you have to, you listeners out there, have to have some questions for these guys. So you can either phone or text four four zero. Nine four six nine four six eight. We'd love to hear from you. All right, stay tuned. We got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT thirteen thirty AM, one oh one five FM and online, WINTradio.com. Welcome back again. It's always the fastest hour in radio we talk about here, folks, on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We appreciate you being with us. We're here in our last segment. I'm your co-host, Adam Sonhalter. And we are rounding the bend like we were before, but we're going at a faster speed. So <laughs> come on in, and you're invited to uh, you know, ask your questions and make your comments with us. That's right. The number for that is 440-946-9468. You can either call and talk to Scotty. You can text either way, 440-946-9468. If you have questions for me or for Jack or for our guests, here, Mark Pinto and Steve Sinisgali, who's they're both from the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. We've been educating people about this stuff in terms of what it looks like to paint the picture, to quell some fears they might have about going back to school. I'm thinking of Roddy Dangerfield, it's one of our favorite movies oh, of all boy, time. Back it? to school. Isn't that a great that's, story? Uh, that's what they Mark were talking to, right? So favorites. hey, so so Rodney being in with that professor talking about widgets, right? Okay, that's okay. <laughs> that's not what this is, folks. Okay, it's different than that. So so get that out of your mind. Um, but we're talking to Rodney's. We're talking to the Rodney's out there. This this course could be a few. We've talked about what it looks like what it, you know, what the, cl- the, the the classes look like i'd like to talk a little bit about some stories so you guys again steve two and a half years mark five years okay you've, you've each seen hundreds and hundreds of the, these folks kind of go through again no names please we'll protect the, the, the innocent or guilty but why don't you share a few stories about folks in terms of what you've seen it could be again success failure but just you know, some stories that, that, that you think our audience might, might resonate with that they may see hey that's that sounds like me mm-hmm well, I'll take a, a jump first in, in terms of talking about a few success stories that we've seen coming through the program. Uh, one in particular is a, is a business that works in the, in the septic services side of things. And this company originally started in a business-to-business mode, so they were working on the commercial side strictly. 
uh, and as part of going through the program, the realization that they could make sense out of going directly to consumers and expanding the business that way was just one of the ideas that uh, uh, that that they put together. Uh, but also the idea of offering some of their services and products online, as well as uh, developing the capability of expanding their marketplace in terms of geography. Uh, and and they actually managed to do all three successfully. They hmm. took on two of them during the course of the program, uh, <laughs> finished the third very quickly afterwards, and uh, we were in a position to actually nominate them for uh, a, a culture uh, award because they had a very um, well-put-together culture in their business and, and how they work with their employees as partners. And we, we nominated them recently, and they just received notice uh, last week that they were the winner for 219 Smart Culture Award. Oh, so we're, wonderful. Uh, we were very proud of them, and, and they were even prouder. That's just one story. Uh, another company is in the food manufacturing uh, business. They make pickles. Hmm. And mm -hmm. um, uh, the company decided that there wasn't enough time to manage the manufacturing and sales side together. So uh, they, sh they made a decision to actually ship out the manufacturing piece. And there's a number of companies and small businesses out there that do just manufacturing for other businesses, and they produce the pickles for them, uh, and it gave the owner time to actually go out and expand the sales effort beyond just local stores to regional to national. And they just recently uh, advised us that they received uh, an outside cash infusion to expand the business even further. Hmm. Very happy about them. We had a car wash company come through the mix and they decided to take the subscription route so what they did is they sold uh, subscriptions that you could buy a monthly for a monthly fee you could come in and wash your car as often as you like sounds like a simple concept no one else was doing it and they've now expanded to their fifth location just recently and were recognized in one of the weatherhead 100 uh, uh, winners this year uh, oh, for those the are great stories. You know, they, yeah. they are. They're real and they're possible and they're done by average people. You know, that's Absolutely. What's so nice about it. And some of the things that people experience is how it accelerates even in class. We had a, a company that's in the entertainment area and was working on a growth plan to grow the business and actually ended up acquiring another company before he even finished the program. <laughs> so, uh, and he's doing very well. They're, they're highly successful, doing a really good job in Cleveland. All these overachievers you're talking about, right? The folks <laughs> can't wait. They're, they're, they're a week into the program, they're already, they're already jumping ahead and be first in the class. Huh? Mm -hmm. And from a personal side, too, I mean, people are actually honing skills that they never thought they would use before. Uh, we have uh, a woman who went through the program, and she said, I never got the opportunity to speak in public as much as I did here. She says, now I can speak in front of anybody. In fact, she's going to be at a conference where there's going to be 2,000 attendees, and she'll be speaking to that group. She said, that would never have happened before. It's amazing. Amazing the confidence that comes, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that has to give you great fulfillment. I mean, it has to. You know, we, we get it from, from our business. Sure. To see somebody succeed, especially when they, they A, they don't think they could, and B, you give them the tools and they start to see the light and it becomes infectious. Mm -hmm. It's a good feeling and it's a great validation for the program that the curriculum is doing what it's supposed to be doing. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'll, I'm going to play skeptic because I know I, I still hear some of the skeptics out in our audience thinking, okay, you know, I, I was told I was a young kid, you know, this thing is a free lunch, right? Now you mentioned, okay, we, you know, we got some time here, but, you know, what, what happens after I graduate? Is it, you, know, you know, do you have other expectations for me? You know, what, what happens? 
There are some expectations. Um, you become part of our alumni group. We have over 600 people now that are alumni from the from our particular site. And there's a certain amount of re- reporting back that we'd like to have from them. Basically, we ask them to report back to us uh, to complete a survey six months, 18 months, and 30 months out. So that information is very useful for us to give back to Goldman Sachs to show them how well our people are doing. Uh, we also have a lot of uh, opportunities for them to get involved in uh, in in additional programs like social social events and learning events. Uh, we get them tickets to various luncheons and memberships are provided to keep them kind of in the mix and talking about us. You know, we need we need that sure. that proselytizing kind of effect that uh, they can they can provide. Okay, and so. You have you also you have different alumni events. So again, if if Jack and I are in a class together, I, you know, I know Jack pretty well. But to tap into the other six hundred people that are there, I have never met before. So right. do you have different events? You mentioned social stuff. Or, or, Correct, are there yeah. other things that, that that you do as a for, for the alumni? Correct. We actually have one coming up at the end of the month. Uh, we're going to have a speaker from Wyoming who's going to be talking about uh, management practices and how to accelerate your business. And that'll include a good hour and a half of networking. It's not hard to get them to do that once they get in the room. Get them to start talking to each other. It's probably hard to get them to quiet down so they can listen to the, yeah. the, the person Go home. talk. Right? Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, it's good. It creates a, creates a good culture, and you, know, you have some good folks. So you have about 600 uh, alum that are that are here in the Cleveland area, and I think you said uh, U.S. wide is about seven or eight thousand. Seventy, yeah, a little over seventy-five hundred. Okay. Yeah. So we're approaching that ten that ten thousand number is in terms of ten. So. What happens when we get to ten thousand? Do we know, or it's still to be still to be determined? We're hoping they erase the one and put a two in, or add an extra zero. An extra, add an extra zero. zero would even be better. They could do that too. That would be great. Okay. Well, it's been a fun program. I'm sure you've probably seen you know stuff evolve. Um, you know, have you seen a difference? You know, I'll ask Mark this because you've been there longer. Have you seen a difference in the folks coming in? As the word kind of gets out there, and yeah, I think you alluded to a lot of the. Uh, the folks that come in are coming via referral. They've heard, you know, somebody did it. They have a friend of theirs that did it. They, you know, so do you, are you noticing maybe a, a difference in the applicants or that are kind of coming through now, cohort 19 versus cohort five or six or no? Yeah, I would say so. Um, when I first started, a lot of our recruits just came from cold calling. So there was a lot of, lot of things we had to educate them on to get them to actually decide to sign on. Now most of our referrals come directly from our alumni. It's one of our measures. And they come a little more prepared and and even more um, wanting to be part of the program. You know, it's a real desire of theirs. It's not like, well, I'll try this out. You know. Right. What kind of age range are we concentrating on? Can't hear you, Jack. Thank you. What kind of age range are we concentrating on here? Early twenties to late sixties. Oh, okay. There's a good, pretty wide. Yeah, yeah very absolutely. wide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably all different sorts of things that we, we didn't touch too much on this on, on the air tonight. We, we talk about in terms of family things that are kind of going on transition. This is uh, for folks who maybe have gone from one generation to the next. This would be a good program to send the next generation to. Great uh, I'm going to guess to kind of get them educated to get them their MBA on the business, you know, so they can kind of one up their mom or dad. Hey, I got, I got an MBA in our business. I got this, you know, stamp <laughs> of seal of approval, right? So for folks kind of going through something like that, that, that that's certainly something to, to, to consider. I think you've had quite a few folks who have kind of gone through something like that. 
Um, but I think uh, your point is you're sharing some of the stories. Here. I think people got to be ready. So if somebody's coming in w- within the matter of a, you know, a few weeks, all of a sudden they're out executing stuff. That tells me that, that they're ready and, and you know, they, they've needed what, you, what the program provides. Maybe they haven't been able to articulate it, but also they, it's like anything else. You kind of know it when you see it, right? So they get in there and say, hey, this is kind of what I've been looking for. Um, and so, and we've talked to a few a few of them that, that we know too. And what's interesting too, in addition to the organized stuff you mentioned, a lot of them also still meet themselves. Oh yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that people wonder. Well, how do you make time for something like this? Because hey, I, I think folks think, hey, and, and you touched on it too, Steve. People seeing value here to take a full day out of my company because you know that, that, that the work that they're leaving still has to get done, and that's probably creating stress for them. But it's it's important enough for them that they, they are dedicating that time and effort to, to make it start to happen. They're forming some very good relationships. To do it, and, and they get used to having people who are there. And much like showing up my my group every week, I got to make sure I get stuff done. Well, hey, if I don't, if I see people every you know on a regular basis, they're gonna they're gonna hold my feet to the fire. They're gonna let my my BS kind of go through. They hey. Don't don't tell me that. That's not true. They'll, they'll, they'll call me on it, right? So that's that's, right. that's hard to find. You mentioned it, it, it can be very very lonely you know, as part of that. So, well, people want to succeed. Small business owners are people, and they want to succeed. But they need the support. They need the the methodologies to to do that. And if they right. get those two and, and and mix it with a little bit of determination on their own, they're going to get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting transformations on this is taking the time away that you mentioned, Adam. One of the things that happens after they graduate is they continue to take that every other Friday away from the business Good. to do either strategic planning or things for their personal lives, which they often have neglected to the last minute. That's good. Don't give it up. All right. We've got about 20 seconds to go. We want to thank you guys for both being here. Thank Mark, you. Steve, thank you for thank being you. here. Thank you. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have our first uh, alum. Uh, it's a client of ours, Bob Scotcher from USA Firmware, is going to be in the hot seat for a part of the show next week. So tune in to listen to that. More Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern here on WINT Radio, 1330 a.m., 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com.